0: Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 55, where in a moment, we chat becoming a parent, pregnancy, it's coming up. No, you heard me right. Phil's getting the hot water and towels as I speak. Today's show is on becoming a parent, moments away. But if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply by delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we've covered mortgages, investments, pensions, credit unions, self-built homes, help to buy schemes, premium bonds, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it. And last week, we looked at divorce and pensions. Talk about coming full circle to pregnancy. Wow. And we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whenever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out. Out and follow the show and then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time I'm John Ellison, with me as always the star of our show it's Phil Anderson hi Phil hi John how are you good
1: thank you pregnancy becoming a parent is there anything you'd like to share with the class Phil oh I tell you it's something I've got plenty of experience on <laughs> I've been through five pregnancies now you might that you know I've got six kids you might yeah. think I'm- I, that doesn't add up, but um, I've got twin boys, so ah. I suppose that only counts as one pregnancy. But that, that was an interesting one, I'll tell you. It was plenty of scans, and I tell you, I, I've had some amount of babies. Well, name me personally, but <laughs> uh, my partners have. I, I've been uh, I've been present at some amount of baby scans because I've, I've got with Down syndrome. So he, yeah. uh, he, she got a scan almost every couple of weeks with him, and we're having twin boys. We, it was the same scans every week or two with with them. So well versed when it comes to to babies and, and pregnancies. It is a, a a nervy a nervy
0: time, especially when if you know you're going to have a child with Down syndrome, as you say, or if you know you've got twins because that you know that can cause complications. What order did you have uh, your your boys in? And this is not a trick question to catch you out in front of a partner or <laughs> like that.
1: But what order did you have them? In? so they well my oldest son and then we had Leighton my, my next one Evan is the the one with Down syndrome he came third twin boys were four and five and then Alexander the the youngest one so Aye, it's been, it's fairly kept me busy, that's for sure. (laughs) So six boys, I don't quite know what the odds of that
0: happening would be, but I'd hazard a guess they'd have been good if you bet on that at the outset, you know. I know, definitely. (laughs) But all joking aside, I remember when my wife and I got married, we were adamant that we wouldn't have kids straight away, that we were going to enjoy just being a married couple for a bit and then hopefully have the kids a bit down the line. Then in an effort to be sensible, we said, right, now we feel like we want to have kids, but we should probably wait until we can afford to have them. And then after a while, of not being anywhere near that goal. We thought if we're never going to have the money, are we prepared to not have kids? So we went ahead and we had a boy and a girl anyway, and we we don't have money, but we do have the coolest little gang in the world. However, that's not really the story we want to be telling you in this episode. We're trying to show you how to plan for having kids financially. And, the things you might have to address. So where do we start, Phil? How do we budget for this?
1: It's a big step having children and and it's a big financial commitment, especially the the more you have. But the the first thing I always say to folk is don't put off looking at your budgets until the baby's born. Once you know that you're going to be becoming parents, you you need to start to plan for it. So the earlier you plan for for anything, the the better. I always say to people, it's like, look at what you've got coming in and, and out each month there's an old saying do what you've always done and you'll get what you've always got so sometimes you need to like give things up to get what you want sometimes you, you've got to to kind of change and, and that's certainly the case with, with budgets when it comes to to children because you'll certainly find that your outgoings will, will increase a fair bit when you have kids and in, in one previous episode, I spoke about a, an exercise with the, the three-sheets a 4 paper. Yeah. Um, so just a recap to Indy that, that hasn't listened to that show. What, one exercise that I always think is really helpful for people when they're budgeting is, like, write down everything on sheet one, where you are today. So you would write down how much money you've got in the bank, any loans. You, you can do this for a, a number of things, not just sort of finances. But on sheet two, write down what you would like to have. And then on sheet three, write down what you're willing to give up to get from sheet one to sheet two because you, sometimes you've got to give up things to, to get where you need to be with your your finances. But it is when, when it comes to babies that there's a lot to be be thinking about. <laughs> An excellent website is called moneyhelper.org.uk. It's really good. It's got like baby cost calculators on there. So I'll, I'll post the links to that on the various social media channels that, that i've got and we've got the the facebook page as well i'll, I'll post it on there but it is it, it's great it goes into different i mean like some essential items that you'll need would be things like a cot bedding a pram baby clothes nappies you might also need a car seat maybe, yep. maybe another thing if you you've got a motor but when it comes to babies there, there's so many costs and then other things that you could have might be like a, a baby bag or changing mat baby monitor baby bouncer toys and, and then you've also to think of things like breast pumps maternity bras high chair honestly the the list can go on and on so there, there's a lot and and you know that that baby calculator is great because it covers everything in there it also is really good because it gives you an estimate all of these things now I've never bought maternity bras, but it was on there. It says that the cost could be up to like 50 pounds. So all of that adds up. That's a thing. Absolutely. absolutely. Do you know, I'm getting
0: the fear now, just listening to you talking about all that stuff and I've been and gone and done it and I'm out the other side and we ain't having any more. But I, I actually get the fear just listening to you, listing all those things again, because it is, it's, It's an expensive time and things that you just never, ever think about. Now, if you work and you're pregnant, there's a whole load of fear attached to the entire thing as well, despite the fact they're legally not allowed to. I I bet you know a load of girls like I do, my wife amongst them, who've gone for jobs, and the way they've been asked about their their family situation has left them in no doubt. The people interviewing aren't keen on you, interrupting their work by, you know, having the audacity to get pregnant and require leave. Pregnancy can be fraught with fear for a lot of things, and this can be amongst them. So when it comes to taking time off for things like appointments for the doctor or antenatal classes,
1: do mum or dad lose money for, for that type of thing, Phil? You have got a right to paid time off work to go to antenatal appointments. So and this is on top of any annual leave that you would get. So that that's one thing to, to note. And this, this includes things like medical and midwife appointments. But pretty much any doctor recommended appointments such as parenting classes and stuff is all included in that as well. When you have a baby, you're entitled to a year's maternity leave or up to a year's maternity leave. You're entitled to 39 weeks pay from your employer if you're eligible. Now, women that would be eligible to get that, you've got to have been working for your employer for at least 26 weeks, so half a year as part of the criteria. And you've also have had average earnings of at least £120 a week. So if you meet that, you would get statutory maternity pay. So for for mothers, that's paid for 39 weeks. You're allowed to be off for 52 weeks maternity leave. So the amount that they get for the first six weeks, you get 90% of your average weekly earnings before tax. The next 33 weeks you get £151.97 or 90% of your average weekly earnings, whichever is less. If, if you're not entitled to statutory maternity pay, you, you might be able to claim, it's called, um, I think maternity allowance, it, it's called. And again, you, you'd be able to have a look into to that, that sort of things. But um, if you were maybe self-employed or hadn't been working there long enough or weren't making enough money, then you can look at that maternity allowance instead. So so there are kind of various things uh, there to to help you as well. And paternity leave and pay. Now, this has changed slightly since
0: I think uh, I became a dad. Back then, in terms of paternity, you could take two weeks unpaid paternity leave. Where are we at with this
1: now, Phil? Yeah, with, with paternity leave, you can usually get one or two weeks paid paternity leave, it's also important to note as well that fathers are entitled to take unpaid time off to go to up to two antenatal appointments. So you do they, they won't necessarily get paid for them, but they can take time off for, for that. You, you would hope most employers would be decent and think, well, this is one of the biggest moments and somebody's lives and it's funny I was cleaning up my house just the, the other day and I came across a card that I wrote to my, my ex-partner and on it I put I think a comment like oh thank you for giving me the, the best <laughs> day of my life sort of thing and that that was before he was born but I have had a few few good days since but a few nice and good days as well but that's <laughs> the, the joys of having six boys Is it? that's the thing but the 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 paternity sort of pay it's similar eligibility criteria to maternity pay and that you've got to have been working for your employer for 26 weeks and you've got to be earning, I think it's £120 a week that, that you've got to have been earning to, to qualify for that. And in, in the current tax year, you get £151.97 a week or 90% of your average weekly earnings, whichever is the lower. But I, but I would always say when it comes to both maternity pay and paternity pay, I always say, like, check with your employer to, to see what they offer.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and what about, uh, we, we touched on this when you mentioned the website earlier, what about how much a baby costs? Because there is an awful lot to consider, isn't there?
1: Oh, it is, absolutely. I mean, like some of the costs that I mentioned, but things like a push chair, I mean, like buggies, I mean, you, you can pay up to, like, £1,000. And I guess it depends how much somebody can, can afford, but you, you've got costs like buggies, car seats, bedding clothes big one is things like nappies my boys used to just go through puck a load of nappies <laughs> and baby wipes so oh it just is uh, like the, the costs can go go on and on but that that website that I mentioned earlier really is a, an excellent one for looking at all the different things that you, you could have so uh, definitely worth a look there
0: okay and uh,
1: because we've just
0: listed expenses so far Let's look into this. Is there any kind of government assistance for some of the costs that you might incur, Phil?
1: There is. Most people will get child benefit. So when you have a child, for your eldest child, you get £21.15 per week for the oldest child and then £14 per week for each additional child thereafter. Now, if you earn over £60,000 a year, you don't get child benefit. If you earn between fifty pounds and 60000 a year, what happens is you get the child benefit, but you're taxed on, on some of that. So anybody earning over £60,000 a year doesn't get child benefit. If you're earning 50000 and under, then you would qualify for the child benefit there. Now, one thing to note, let, let's say you were earning, I don't know, let's say 56000 a year. What you can do, to in that case, you wouldn't get much child benefit. You've lost most of it because you're earning too much. But this is where financial planning can come into things because what you can do is you can make a pension contribution to get your, your net earnings down and that then might see you qualify for child benefits. So financial advisors can, can help. That, that's just one area that, that they can help people with. So you might have to give up money, but you, you maybe have to pay it in a pension, reduce what you're earning and that can qualify you for, for getting that benefits again. How long does the, the child benefit last for? Is it all the way through until they're 18? Uh, yeah, I think you get... Uh, I need to double-check, but I, I have a funny feeling you get the child benefit while they're still in full-time time education. education. Yeah. I, I think uh, it's right up until that point. Because I'm, I'm thinking... It, it's, a, it's a lengthy period anyway,
0: right? So it's, it's a minimum yeah. of, well, you'd assume 16... Uh, years if it's full-time education minimum of that yeah. and then if it was on any length after that there is a chance that it, say you were self-employed or even if you were in full-time um, employment there is a chance that you're going to breach that figure from starting off say and say you had maybe 50,000 or below when you yeah. had your child as you go on there is a chance that maybe you come into that threshold where you no longer
1: qualify to have child benefit are you supposed to declare that point yeah you usually you'll find if if you're a higher rate taxpayer you'll often have to fill in a, a tax return But what you'll find hMRC will be able if you're employed they'll be able to see how much you're earning and if you're self-employed you'll be filling in a tax return so at some point they would notice but it might take them a year or so to notice but you would have to pay back any extra money that you'd already claimed that you maybe shouldn't have got. Okay. Other things, I mean, I, I was also going to mention, like some some of the other help that you can get, there's what's called a, a Sure Start Maternity Grant. If you're an in, income support, universal credit, or other certain benefits, you, you can qualify for this. In Scotland, they now call it a Best Start Grant. So that's other help that, that you can get there. And in Scotland as well, I mean, here we're, we're lucky that parents get that baby box. I, I've had one of them myself, and, and in it it contains things like clothes changing mats it's got books a mattress there's a lot of useful things I think it also had towels it had a few nappies to, to get you started some baby wipes so I've seen one of them myself my youngest son he qualified for for that so there are kind of help out there the the other thing you may be entitled to as well if you're on a low income you might be entitled to, to universal credit it came in and it's replaced them it used to be child tax credit and there was working tax credit but um, these are being phased out and replaced by what's called universal credit so you may be able to claim that that's what's called the child element to that so you can look at claiming that for up to two two children so that's something to for people or new parents to to look into see if they would qualify for that as well.
0: Any other helpful? Because I remember our dentist saying to my wife when she was due quite a big bit of work, well, you've timed this right because you just have the little one. You'll
1: get this for free. Is free dental care part of the deal still? Yeah, free dental care in the UK when when you're pregnant. In England, another thing that you also qualify for is free prescriptions while you're pregnant. Now, that doesn't apply in, in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. You get free prescriptions anyway. But in England, that's a, an added benefit you've got when you're you're pregnant as well. But yeah, free dental care in the UK for, for everyone when you're pregnant. Uh, what about how this may affect any of our other incomes? I mean, if you're off work
0: and not receiving pay past the statutory period, but still officially on leave, will your employer
1: still be contributing to your pension in that period? They will be. When you're on maternity leave, you've still got all the benefits and rights that you would if you were at work. So things like um, paid holidays, employer pension contributions, that that's all things that you, you'll you still accumulate and get. Things will also depend on what's in your employment contract. So it's worth having a look at that to see what what it says in there. But as your pension contributions are are usually based on your actual earnings, the amount going in, it could be lower if you're on maternity leave because you may be earning a bit less at, at that period. But unless your contract states otherwise, your employer won't have to make a contribution to your pension during the period of your maternity leave where you're not getting paid. So you, you get maternity pay initially, but I think it's in the last 13 weeks you, you don't get that. That's when, at that point, what would happen there, that's the period where it's unpaid leave. And at that point, that's when you might need to make up, like some people maybe think, oh, I want to make up that contributions that I would have got in that point. So it's important to kind of review like your own financial situation when that time comes as well again thinking back to when we had our
0: kids uh, and mine are almost 15 and 12 now whew, the, the government set up and paid money into accounts for them which i think they, they can't access until a certain age the idea is for them to get into the habit of saving money i suppose does that still
1: exist and if so what are the numbers yeah, for a while you you used to get what was called child trust funds. That, yeah. that was something that had came in in the past. I think my two oldest sons have have got child trust funds. In fact, the oldest one, his must be due out. I mean, he's sixteen now. I wait to turn seventeen, so I think he gets access to that when he's eighteen. I think it is. Child yeah. Child trust fund. It's funny, interestingly, my. my that or the second son, his child trust fund is almost at the same value as the older one, just purely because when he his one went in, markets were lower. Um, so so his has done particularly well o- over the period of time. I, I used to save into it. I, I suppose the, the plus side with that is it's a long-term sort of savings plan. But they they were all the, the child trust funds were stopped several years back now. What one savings thing that you get for children is um junior ISAs. That's one way that you can save for your kids. But the downside with that is that, again, the money's not easily accessible. So if you were looking for an account, maybe let's say you got money for grandparents at Christmas time or aunties and uncles. You might think, right, I just want a, a kid's account to put that money in and take it out whenever I need it for them. I often say comparison websites are a good place to start in, in that instance. They, they can sort of show you all the different various accounts that's there, what interest rates are payable, any incentives that, that the banks or building societies have got for that type of account. The one thing I would say just now is interest rates aren't a great. The Bank of England base rates really low, so the, the interest rate on savings accounts isn't that good at the minute, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: And If we're looking at the idea of provision for kids learning to save money, Phil, the other thing we should mention, I suppose, and I know people often consider this morbid, but it's not and we've discussed this in, a, in previous podcasts as well, it's simply good planning, is the importance of things like life cover and wills once you have young families.
1: So let's look at life cover first. Tell me about that, what it is, what it does, what it provides. Yeah, life cover is basically just a, an insurance policy that you take out that if you die, it pays out a, a lump sum, you also get life cover that pays out. You, you get one called family income benefit. So rather than it paying out a lump sum all in one go, it pays out a lump sum each month for a set period. So that's almost like a, a decrease in life insurance policy. So there, there's a number of different options out there, but you, you've got, I, I always think life insurance is such an important thing for, for parents. You've got to consider if one of you were to die, how would you just get by? You, you might have one less wage coming in. I mean, the, the cost of, of kids is not just when they're babies, but when, you, you'll know as well, John, the older they get, the, the more cost that they, they can kind of have as well. So yeah. life, life covers such an important thing. And, and it's thinking, no, nobody wants to think that anything could happen to them, but I, I've actually seen it before. I mean, I, I, I remember one woman that I went out to see, her, her husband had died and she had a life insurance policy that I'd set up, which was great. That paid off the mortgage. He also had a death in service policy, which then provided for bringing up his daughter. At first, sadly, like the the older you get, the more you come across instances where things like that have, have happened, and mm. it is no, nobody knows what's around the corner in life. I mean, lately, I, it's something I've been pondering a, a lot more. The, the older I get, and the more kind of aches and pains and health scares you have, you, you start thinking, hang on, if I'm only here, how are they all going to get by? And it is life insurance is really something that, that I think you parents should always be, be considering and looking at.
0: Yeah. And on the cost of kids, Phil, there have there, been a number of evenings. I've often sat there and looked at my, my, my blank wall and thought, if I just bought that huge flat screen TV that I wanted, and hung it on that wall for, you know, the big games of football, we'd never be in this problem with the kids in the first place. We'd never... <laughs> <laughs> the money I'd have saved, and I'd have had my TV. Yeah. I'm kidding. Um, there's uh, the, the the wills that we were talking about, Phil. I, I still remember the name of an episode we did a while back called Nay Will, Nay Wise. But it, it draws everything sharply into focus when you have a new family, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, another thing that's really important to do if you've got children is to have a will especially if you're not married, it's even more important in that kind of situation. But you do, you, you want to get a will sorted out because if we go back, I had a look, it was episode 14, which was in December <laughs> last year that we, we recorded it. So it was about nine months ago that we, we did that one. But in, in that one, we looked at why you should make a will, what happens if you die without one. It also covered things like how much wills cost and where to go to, to get one. So I, I'd certainly urge any new parents or if you're away to become a parent have a listen to that one if, if you don't have a will because not, not only do you, you want to have a will in place but you want to make sure it's updated as well so if you have kids you might think right at what age would I want them inheriting money there's a lot of things to, to think about there so that, like I say it's an episode in itself that one so yeah. definitely worth a, a listen if you don't have an, an up-to-date will
0: Absolutely. Now there's one other thing I think is worth mentioning because we've got a hell of a shock from it and that's the cost of childcare when you return to work, assuming you return to work. I, I'm fairly certain there's some sort of government assistance with this, but even allowing childcare isn't cheap, is it? And and most mums, when they go back to work first, they don't go blazing straight back into it. They often have reduced hours and they build those up or they, they might choose to work less permanently to be at home with their kids more. So what are the potential pitfalls that we have to be aware of as regards childcare, Phil?
1: Yeah, childcare costs can be pretty hefty. Yeah. I mean, it can be like some people are fortunate they maybe have like relatives that'll uh, look after the kids, but nursery places can can cost a, a fair bit. So yeah, childcare, child minders, it, it, you know, it, it it can be quite expensive. There is a it's called tax-free child care. It's a government scheme to help working parents with a cost of childcare and that's available in all the, the countries in the, the UK. I again going back to that money help our website, it's quite good for looking into all the different things that's available for, like costs with, with childcare and, and looking after the kids. So I, I would direct folk onto that as well. So it's great for the the budget and also great to to look at, at what benefits are available and, and also what eh, when it comes to childcare costs, it can can really so I help you see all the different help that's available out there for that as well.
0: Now, if you've got uh, pregnant uh, as a couple after the um, this, this episode, not as a result of this episode or during this episode, God, but if you have, then uh, Phil and I would just like to wish you all the best because it's the best thing you'll ever do. But each week, as far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've
1: been discussing. So Phil, today, pregnancy or becoming a parent, what have you got on that? I guess for me, I mean, like when, when my oldest son was born at that point, I didn't have very much. So back then I, I used to claim like the, the tax credits and and stuff and child benefit. I know how much all that sort of things can help at that time. So um you, you don't need to worry about claiming child benefit as well. You'll get that automatically. And you're, oh, what do you call them? The, the health visitor and midwife, they can keep you right with, with stuff like that as well. But it is it? It can be like you say. It's such a rewarding thing. It's one of the best experiences I've ever gone through. Having the kids, you love them a bit, and it, it has its challenges. But you know what it It's It's brilliant. Enjoy it, um, and and that's that's a thing. Like the, when we get on to the quote of the week I'm in a yeah. minute. Um, I've got a really good one for for it as well. But I, I've been through it so many times before myself, and luckily now, I, money. It's, I do not have the same money worries that I, I used to before, but it is, it's, it, it's such a rewarding thing, having children. And costly, but it's good to plan for it. And like I said earlier, the earlier you plan for it, the, the better, definitely. Uh, and
0: Phil, we always do this bit as well. As you say, you, you find inspiration through various people that you admire and you love a quote, one that fits our subject matter for this episode on pregnancy or
1: becoming a parent. Quote of the Week this week best thing you can invest in your kids is your time and, and you know what going back to my, myself I mean Rowan my, my oldest son when he was little I never got to spend so much time with him because I was always working I, I, had, to, I had to work to keep a roof over our head and feed us that that was a thing so I just worked and worked and worked whereas now I'm, I'm fortunate I can get to spend an awful lot more time with the kids and it's at that point you realise like how precious they are. And I think if I could go back, I mean, yeah, but the, the hard work that I put in got me to where I am today, but if I could go back in time, I would definitely spend less time working and more time with, with the kids when they're young because... They grow up quick, that's for sure. So when you start to find yourself and
0: words coming out of your mouth that previously had only ever come out of your parents' mouth, and you thought, oh, no, it's happening. I'm becoming a parent. Ah! Um, But, yeah, the, the, you, you were saying that you, you felt guilty because you didn't spend enough time with your first. I think what's common for a lot of people is they spend time with their first because they've got the time to spend. Yeah, and then when they have the second, well, the second takes your attention away from the first, and yet you feel guilty that you're not spending as much time with them, or you feel guilty that you have to go and spend time with the first, and you can't spend as much time with the second, or whatever. Yeah. But basically, being a parent, it's it's one
1: huge guilt trip. That's <laughs> that's that's something you should prepare yourself for. Probably a, probably <laughs> a good time to, to mention, but um, for for dads, you, you've got John's got a, his own podcast, oh. two dud dads, so. I thought it'd be yeah. good just to give that a plug yeah. as well for for MD wanting to, to listen to that one. Two Two Dad Dad season one is
0: uh, is out now, and uh, season two is uh, currently in conception. Let's say so. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's hope that's out soon. Now Phil is is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always. We can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's and contact details, like I say, coming up. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. Hi, Phil. Just recently, my elderly aunt told us she wanted to gift us her house as her health is failing. She said she'll require full-time medical care in a home soon. She tells us there'll be no problem transferring the house into our names because it's all bought and paid for, but I'm fairly certain there'll be more to it than that. I don't want to insult her or have her feel like I'm going behind her
1: back. But is there anything we should be aware of? You've definitely got to watch with, with that, because if you transfer an asset such as a property from one name into another, when you go into a home, the council could view that as, they, they call it deliberate deprivation. So that if they think that you're deliberately like stripping your assets to, to give them away, to avoid care costs, there's a good chance they're going to find out and, and challenge that. So, what I always say, when it comes to things like estate planning and, and planning for like care home costs, like, like anything, it's good to look at it at as early a stage as possible. So again, it's where a good financial planner and a good estate planner can kind can, of can help and kind of speak to you about that. But I, I in, in that situation, you probably want to be looking at taking maybe some legal advice on it, because it, it, I think the council would be able to challenge that pretty easily. Mm.
0: Uh, next is one from Martin in Fockebers. Uh, I feel not long been made redundant with a decent payoff. I'm a chef to trade. and thinking about setting up our home as a bed and breakfast. Is there any major financial cost we might have to meet in order to do that?
1: If you're setting up a new business, a great place to, to look is the, the business gateway. I've got some great tools there. Um, it'll also go through and tell you, like, things that you need to do for, for setting up what costs. And it, they, they've actually got specific bits for each different industry and, and sector. So it, it's really useful there. I think I noticed he said it was his own place looking yeah. to set it up. So, I mean, in, in the past, I've, I've had a few folk that's bought like guest houses and things. And at one point to note, if somebody was buying another property, is um if they did that, they'd usually need a, a deposit on a mortgage, maybe 25-30 percent. If if that was the case. one thing you need to do is you need to speak to your house insurance company to tell them that there would be sort of business use there. Um, so that, that would be something. The the main thing really that I would say is like do your homework on all the costs, try and look at sort of budgets. But one thing I always recommend for, for business owners as well is to get a business coach. If you're setting up a new business, I, I know I, over the years I've, I've used various business coaches and it's it's helped me enormously, not just in the early stages of business, but also even now it, it, it's a great thing to, to do. So there's quite a lot to, to kind of take into account and, and think about there, but somewhere like Business Gateway would be, be good to, to go and have a look. They, they've got things for business plans, but probably a few things you, you need to think about in that instance.
0: Just something you mentioned there, Phil, and and as you said, I I, I thought well that must have changed. Um, when you're talking about setting up doing a bed and breakfast in your own home, and you said, yeah. well, you have to you have to go to the insurance and say, well, we're sort of changing what what, what we do. It's not just a home anymore. We're going to be working here. Um, yeah. I'm I'm guessing that during the pandemic, the working from home
1: initiative must have triggered something within that industry, did it? Oh, I tell you, a lot more people working for home now. Um, I mean, I, I'm seeing that all the time. And I think people are, are starting to be more comfortable like doing meetings on things like Zoom and Teams. I, I know at the minute, like the, the doctor's surgery, the local surgery here, still a job to get a, a face-to-face appointment. They're trying to do as much remotely as they can. And I, I'd imagine over the last year and a half, there's an awful lot more people working from, not well working from home because of the circumstances, but going forward, I think a lot of folk want to return to i mean some that if it's an office job and you can do it from home i think a lot of places will can kind of allow a bit more flexible working. one thing that I should i mentioned there as well is if if you're changing your property to let's say a bed and breakfast or a, a a B or maybe an airbnb guest house that that type of thing if you have a mortgage if you've got a residential mortgage on the property as well your lender might maybe be too keen on that so um that you would usually need to seek permission from them. There'd likely be some sort of clause in, in there that you'd need to, to just double check that with them and see what they say okay. as well. But yeah, a lot more people working from home these days, that's for sure. And has that, just
0: to, to sort of drill down into that, has that changed the the insurance system around the idea of of that working from home? Do You know, has there, has there been a change to, to how the system works in terms of insurance then?
1: Yeah, I think um, I mean I, I think the insurers realise that that a lot more people are are working from home now, so they, they're kind of adjusting policies there. I, I guess one thing that's positive is that if more people are working from home, you have less burglaries and and stuff like that. You would suspect because there's more. The uh, insurance companies don't like it if houses are unoccupied, so mm. I suppose there's advantages there as well. But yeah, I have seen sometimes if you've got, for example works equipment in the the house, you need to just double check with your insurer to say, right, is that sort of thing covered? Um there, there are there's more to it than just that it's looking, speaking to your insurer and seeing what, what they say as well. Okay. So a bit a bespoke kind of system becomes a lot It can vary a lot from from company yeah. to company. Okay. Uh, but I am finding that they are being a bit more flexible with people just now.
0: I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK personal finance show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance, search Phil Anderson financial services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search personal finance with Phil Anderson. That's personal finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I said, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's how you'd prefer it. Remember, if you find this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, John. Have a great week.